the Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And today I'm going to be talking to you about how our army rewards suicidal soldiers with jail instead of treatment. The story today is uh, starts out as a beautiful story. It's the story of um, the a lieutenant in the United States Army, Elizabeth Whiteside. She is the epitome of what we would want our soldiers, our troops to be. Um, starting with her being a valedictorian in high school and and so much more, which we'll talk to you about. Um, and so courageous in her seven years of service until finally, uh, because of various, um, oh, some battle-related and some not battle-related situations, or not so much battle-related, but Iraq being the heart of Baghdad-related, shall we say, uh, reasons and some uh, other reasons, um, at one point uh, Elizabeth had a psychotic break. And because of this, and again, I will let my guests tell you the details, but because of this, um, our U.S. Army, in its wisdom, uh, instead of acknowledging that someone could have a bona fide psychiatric disorder, is trying to treat Elizabeth not with psychiatric treatment uh, or not with a lifetime of benefits, at least, but with punishment threatening her with court-martial and a life sentence. The What I find fascinating and, and very um, distressing as a psychiatrist is that the same macho attitude that contributed to Lieutenant Whiteside shooting herself in the stomach was part of the reason for why she did that in the first place. And the same macho attitude is what keeps our armed forces from acknowledging that psychiatric injuries are just as real and need just as much treatment and compensation as physical injuries. People should not be punished for having um, psychiatric problems, especially after so many years of honorable, above honorable service. To tell you the story, which uh, is actually currently still breaking news. We're still waiting uh, to see how this is going to unfold. The end of the story, uh, we don't know yet. Um, and the Lieutenant Whiteside and her family are having to live, continue to live, with this specter of this punishment, including a life sentence, hanging over their heads instead of being appropriately decorated for all of her honorable service of seven years. Um, so I will let my guest tell you the story, but I just want to preface this by saying that um, when you hear this story, it should hopefully will outrage you uh, as well to take some action, perhaps to contact your congressman, 
um, to perhaps join and volunteer for some of the organizations that have been helping her, but to and to tell your friends so that people are more aware of some of the uh, injustices that are going on to the very brave young men and women who are sacrificing their lives for our country. So let me introduce my guests. Um, we have on the line uh, Lieutenant Elizabeth Whiteside herself. Welcome to the show. Thank you. And her father, Thomas Whiteside, he is um, a veteran. He was in the Marines uh, in Vietnam. Is that correct? Uh, yes, it is. And um, Ms. Whiteside's lawyer, um, who is doing taking this case along with his colleagues um, on a pro bono basis because they believe in this as well. So David Cinnamon is with us. Welcome to the show. David, are you on the line too? Uh, yes, I am. Can okay. you hear me? <laughs> Hi. Hi. Let me mention um, your law firm. Uh, let me see. Where Pillsbury, <laughs> Winthrop, Shaw, Pittman, a lot of names. Thank you, yes. And um, and taking this, yes, let me just, um, at the firm of Pillsbury, Win- Winthrop, Shaw, and Pittman, uh, your partners Matthew McLean and Maritza Nelson are also helping you with this case. That's correct. In, in fact, Matthew McLean, uh, uh, my colleague who's now actually in Iraq uh, right now on, a, on an unrelated matter, uh, was taking the lead on this. He is a former Army JAG officer and very familiar with Army procedures. Hmm. So this is sort of what your firm specializes in? Uh, not, not in particular, uh, but when, uh, uh, when Mr. Whiteside uh, uh, was directed to us by the Vietnam veterans uh, for whom we've done work, uh, I knew we could help uh, him and his daughter because uh, we do have some of this experience, particularly, as I say, Matthew, who, who's done many court-martials uh, while he was mm. an attorney in the Army. Okay. Well, I'd like to start out uh, chronologically. I mean, I'd like to do this chronologically um, to so because I think that that really uh, brings the heart to the story. Um, I was really impressed. Um, hearing about Elizabeth's background. Um, so why don't you, I mean, I think a lot of people are interested in trying to understand why a young woman um, would decide to devote herself um, to being in the armed services, and, and especially you've already devoted seven years. So can we start out with um when did you decide, how old were you, when you decided that this is what you wanted to do? I was 18 years old when I decided to join the Army Reserve. What I actually did was I um, snuck off behind my parents' back and um, went to the recruiter alone and signed all the paperwork before my parents knew because I knew they would try to talk me out of it. Um, I first knew I wanted to join probably... um, a couple of years prior to my turning 18, just because I had never thought about it since I was so young. Now, that part of it was an influence of your father being his service, correct? Absolutely. And what about 9-11? Did that factor into it? Well, I actually joined the Army before 9-11 started. Mm. Okay. I, I think she wanted to be a medic very badly. Yes, and what made you want to do that? 
Well, a medic was just a nice way to be able to help fellow soldiers and, you know, enemy combatants as well. Um, medical is always the good guy in a war, and I just felt that it was the right thing to do. Okay, and so when you were you were a valedictorian at James Madison High School in Vienna, you were a wrestler and varsity soccer player. Um, you enlisted, well, you uh, enlisted in the Army Reserve, and you joined ROTC while you were studying economics at the University of Virginia. And then, um, why don't you take us from there? Um, well, when I graduated from the University of Virginia, I got a commission. Um, then I was transferred to the 2290th U.S. Army Hospital based out of Walter Reed. Um, I stayed there for about two years and served as an executive officer for Charlie Company, which was um, mostly medical support. And then I volunteered to go on any deployments that would come up. So my unit called me and said they had a deployment overseas with a ground ambulance company, the three... 29th out of Erie, Pennsylvania, so I decided to go with them overseas. And I know in an interview you said, um, well, was that, it was your first, or were you on at one place, did you go directly to Baghdad? No, what happened was I first went up to Erie, Pennsylvania for about a month, and then our entire unit went to Fort McCoy, Wisconsin, to do our desert warfare training for three months and from there we flew to Kuwait, stayed in Kuwait for about a week and then we flew from Kuwait to Baghdad. So I know in an interview you've said um, why you decided you wanted to go overseas, how being at Walter Reed um, made you want to do more. Um, yes, it was just um, very sad to see the um, injured soldiers from the war um, around the hospital, um, amputees and people with brain injuries, and it made me feel really guilty that I was still healthy and alive and had not done a single deployment while a lot of soldiers were on their second and third deployment, so I figured it was only fair to volunteer to go so that someone else wouldn't have to go multiple times. Hmm. And then you found yourself in Baghdad. Could you describe what it was that you were doing? Um, we, I was in charge of ground ambulance operations at Camp Cropper, Baghdad. Um, we primarily did evacuation to and from the flight line and the helicopter pad and evacuations from the prison to the hospital. Um, at night, the medics also conducted what we called wire medicine, which is basically first-line health care within the prison under the supervision of doctors from the 21st CASH who we are with. And um, so so for the seven years, and that you went to Baghdad in, was it September of 2006? Yes, it was, I believe. And um, so so for the seven years, so so a number of the years, I'm just trying to figure out how, this, how many years you spent in each place. Where did you, when you were in the Army Reserve, what did you do originally? What did you do then? Well, originally um, I started out as a medic and was at the 343rd 
ground ambulance company um, based out of Richmond, Virginia. And I stayed there for three years throughout college until I got my commission. I see. So you were doing it at the same time that you were going to college. That's correct. Okay. <laughs> you can see that the dedication goes uh, way back. All right. We do need to take a break. Um, when we come back, we'll be talking more and learning about uh, what, <laughs> learning about the um, the story and what what sort of uh, went wrong in this uh, idyllic story of Lieutenant Elizabeth Whiteside. Uh, we're talking with her and her father, Thomas Whiteside, and um, her attorney as well, who is taking the case on a pro bono basis. His name is David Cinnamon, and you're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. The Carrie Douglas Show, with the CEO of Worldwide Music Incorporated and the founder and publisher of Gospel Truth Magazine, Carrie Douglas. By tuning in weekly, you will gain insight, tips, and tools to help get your career started. From how to market yourself to distribution of your product, learn the power of faith-based marketing and much more on The Carrie Douglas Show. Join Carrie each week with guests from the gospel music industry, entrepreneurs, speakers, and authors as they discuss faith-based news, events, and trends. The Carrie Douglas Show with Carrie Douglas broadcast each Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, and is brought to you by Gospel Truth Magazine and Worldwide Music Incorporated on the Voice America channel. The Carrie Douglas Show with Carrie Douglas, your premier source for faith based entertainment, news, events, and trends. Radio by George is a lifestyle program dedicated to improving the lives of listeners by focusing on the holistic growth of their mind, body, and spirit. Host Eddie George shares his life experiences as well as the experiences of his guest commentators and experts with the listening audience to focus them toward reaching their personal and professional goals. Tune in every Monday afternoon at 1 p.m. PST, 4 p.m. EST to Radio by George on the Voice America channel and learn more from the life experiences of a man who went from being a somewhat unruly kid in the streets of Philadelphia to a retired professional athlete who has become a role model for not only young people, but for businessmen and women globally. Plan to spend your Monday afternoons with Eddie George and his empowering talk radio show, Radio by George. That's every Monday at 1 p.m. PST, right here on the Voice America channel. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. 
And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking to you today about uh, something really urgent and important that's going on in the news that uh, we all need to know about and take a stand about. Um, we're talking about what is happening to Lieutenant Elizabeth Whiteside, an incredibly brave, uh, courageous, dedicated um, young woman who um, joined the Army and uh, had uh, seven years of dedicated service in some of the most difficult situations, including um, being at Camp Cropper in Baghdad that a, a, a detainee prison, and, and I know, Elizabeth, one of the things that you said that really impressed me was how uh, that mission, this assignment that you had, represented the best of America um, because it was taking care of the enemy regardless of what they were doing to us. And that was your job to provide medical care, supervise people providing medical care, not just to the American troops and the uh, Iraqis on our side, but to the enemy. Yes, that's correct. And my guest today, before I ask you a question, let me just... uh, uh, again, r- remind my listeners, we're talking with Lieutenant Elizabeth Whiteside, her father, also a, a veteran who was in the Marines in Vietnam, and her attorney, David Cinnamon. And um, who were some of the famous prisoners <laughs> that were in Camp Cropper? Camp Cropper had about 4,000 prisoners. Um, it had um, a bunch of high-value detainees, um, including um, Chemical Ali and Saddam Hussein was also held there for a while. Of course, um, the high-value prisoners were held at a higher level of security than the normal um, detainees that were there. Yes. And what was life like there? Tell us about the stresses that uh, uh, everyday life was like for you. Well, my day um, pretty much started at 6 when my crew would get together and we would have our nightly meeting before they went off to conduct their night shift at the hospital. Um, My shift with them would end around 12 or 1 to 2 in the morning. I would then come back to my barracks and go to sleep and wake up around 7 or 8 in order to attend meetings at the hospital or meetings with the military police or go to meetings at my headquarters. Um, so I'd sleep in about four-hour shifts um, throughout the day, um, and I ate about one meal a day during this time. <clears throat> now, was that what you were supposed to do, or were you just doing that on your own? How were people supposed to survive on one meal a day? Well, it was just um, something that I did because um, I was very busy. <laughs> It wasn't mandated or anything like that. I made sure all my medics at least had food to eat. (laughs) You took care of them better than you did yourself. And um, that's right, doctor. (laughs) Took better care of them than she did herself. Mm Mm-hmm. And then, when did start? When did things start falling apart? And why do you think they did? Well, um, from what I've read in documents. conducted during investigations. Um, I started to write emails about a month prior to the incident um, that exhibited erratic thought patterns. Um, I, of course, didn't notice anything different that was going on. The stress levels remained about the same, and work went on as usual. And 
whatever was happening, it wasn't impacting my work so much that other people would notice it and point it out to me. Uh-huh. Um, and um, it was about the 30th of December and um, when Saddam Hussein was um, hanged. Um, there was a prison riot at the jail, um, one of numerous prison riots, and the next morning I went to my company headquarters and was, I was having ongoing issues with my executive officer, Lieutenant Israel Velez, and I got in an argument with him um, because we both saw different ways about different things about um, running the unit and taking care of soldiers. And um, I came back to Camp Cropper, and I don't remember much of what happened after that, but um, that night was when the incident occurred and when um, I fired the two um, bullets into the ceiling and shot myself. Yes, and he, uh, apparently there's been an investigation, and it wasn't just you, Amir, it wasn't just your perception, but in fact he was found to be somewhat sexist and um, tried to, uh, was threatened by women being promoted, and since you were so well-respected, um, you were one of the people that he was particularly threatened by and particularly uh, stood in the way of, is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Uh, Dr. Lieberman, if I can jump sure. in here and add, uh, sure. he uh, not only was uh, that not her perception, uh, he was actually reprimanded and removed from command uh, because of his abusive and harassing treatment of female subordinates, including Lieutenant Whiteside. So in addition to you know, all the stresses of uh, the job that she had and what she was doing, uh, she was subject to the command of somebody who the Army itself found uh, was so abusive that he had to be removed from, from command. Yes. And uh, so it was this, So there was that going on that was sort of uh, increasing, the, the stress with this, um, uh, author, this man in authority, um, and as well as this, the riot after Saddam Hussein was hanged. And that was all going on when you had this crisis of sorts. Um, yes, it was. I think it was a combination of uh, many factors. And, of course, yes, and, and being there for several months um, under those um, stressful conditions to begin with, you know, sleep, not able to sleep uh, correctly and, and so on. And, uh, you know, apparently you really putting in uh, more than 110%. Um, now, I, I know it's very difficult for you to um, talk about or think about, but um, as you look back on it now and whatever you're comfortable talking about, um, what do you think? I know you've, you've been in treatment for quite some time, too, now. What do you think um, was going on in your mind at the time that you shot yourself? No, I'm, I'm still not certain about that, and I'm still... Um working with my doctors uh -huh. to really find out the root of the problem. Um, I think I got a closer idea of what's going on thanks to one of my therapists, but we're still working on it. Okay. Now, I know um, I, I read that during college you had had depression from time to time, but not nothing to, at this level. That's correct. And... Um, um, I guess is the the diagnosis um, so far is 
an acute psychotic episode. They ha- sometimes it takes a very long time um, for a psychiatrist to figure out exactly what a diagnosis is after an incident like this because um, sometimes the it takes time to sort of see what happens with the person after they're out of the stressful situation. And usually the diagnosis that someone would get um, for something like this would be an acute psychotic episode, and then later on it becomes clearer as to what exactly it was, whether it was a major depression or post-traumatic stress disorder or something like that. Um, Yes, I believe that's correct. I I believe my um, initial diagnosis was... um severe depression, but uh-huh. then that diagnosis was modified later on. Uh-huh. I think they're still actually working on that, aren't they, Elizabeth? Yes, yes. It, it usually, you know, it takes months and sometimes years to actually have it become clearer in retrospect, you know, what was going on then as uh, through therapy. Well, why don't we, um, okay, so then after this event, you were taken um, to Walter Reed Hospital. Yes. And you were treated originally for your physical injuries. Um, that's correct. I was. Um, I woke up on the 8th of January, I believe, and then um, I stayed in the ICU in various step-down units for about one month um, until I was healed well enough that I could transfer down to the psychiatric ward, which is a non-medical ward. Um, I stayed in the psychiatric ward for approximately a month, and then transferred to outpatient psychiatric care in Ward 53. And from there, I was transferred to behavioral health in Building 6 at Walter Reed. And were you happy with the treatment that you received there? Um, the doctors were, were fantastic. Um, I had great um, surgeons. I had great psychiatrists, with the exception of a few. Um, overall, it was um, it was awesome treatment. That's all I could say. Uh-huh. Well, that's good to hear with all the controversy that there's been about problems at, at Walter Reed. And um, and while you were there, you met a um, someone else who was on, another young woman who was on the a psychiatry inpatient unit, Samantha, which is why you decided, one of the reasons why you decided to fight the charges against you. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Um, yes. Um, Samantha... And I were on the ward um, the same time in February, and um, we became friends on the ward. And after she was discharged abruptly from the military against her doctor's orders, um, we spent some time together since she was still living in the area. Um, I decided to fight the charges probably when I was on leave in August or so with my father in Nevada, and I decided to actually published a story in the Washington Post when Samantha died. Yes, because in a sense that was what they were um, threatening you with as well. She she received what kind of a discharge? Um, I know she was administratively separated, but I'm unclear as to the type of discharge that it was. But obviously it was something that uh, was very distressful to her, to say the least. Yes, it was distressful because she was unsure whether she was going to get benefits or not and how to go by getting those benefits. Yes, boy, that that is really an increasing problem, and it's really very tragic. But uh, but it's also very courageous of you to be picking up this fight for her and for yourself and for other um, soldiers returning home. 
Well, when we come back, we, we need to take a break now, but when we come back, we'll continue with the story of Lieutenant Elizabeth Whiteside. We'll hear from her father, Thomas Whiteside, her lawyer, David Cinnamon, as well. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Everything you want, everything you want to do, and everything you want to have is right at your fingertips. People think that accomplishing your goals has to be difficult. Guess what? It doesn't. All you need are the right tools and a map. And that is what author, professional speaker, and now talk radio host Charmin Lane is offering you. Join Charmin Wednesday afternoons at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel for success made simple. Ever wonder what are the favorite travel destinations of the Hollywood Jet Set? Where do celebrities like to go when they aren't walking the red carpet? Tune in to Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk with President of Traveris, David Manning, and Lisa O'Hurley, golf aficionado and wife of actor John O'Hurley. On Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk, David and Lisa talk with well-known actors, sports celebrities, and entertainment insiders to find out about their favorite travel destinations and what they recommend. On Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk, David and Lisa also offer up feature vacations each week and last-minute deals for your next getaway. Find out what's new and exciting in the travel industry, as well as how to raise money for your nonprofit organizations while enjoying a wonderful vacation. Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk with David Manning and Lisa O'Hurley broadcasts each Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk, your inside look into celebrities and travel. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Uh, we're talking today about the story of Lieutenant Elizabeth Whiteside, who is has been made a scapegoat um, for Army officials who don't want to admit that psychiatric injuries are as legitimate as losing limbs. 
And um, indeed, uh, she is a very impressive young woman who, um, for seven years, devoted herself to us, to giving service to uh, the Army, protecting us, um, being a medic not only for American soldiers and Iraqi soldiers on our side, but also at a prison in Baghdad where she supervised medics taking care of the enemy, which she felt was uh, represented the highest values of America, where we also take care of our enemy. We now um, will talk about what what Elizabeth has received for all of this heroic, courageous uh, dedication, and um, that's uh, that's the part that I need you all to sort of listen to um, and decide to do something about. So we're talking today with Lieutenant Elizabeth Whiteside, her father Thomas Whiteside, uh, also a veteran. He has um, served in the Marines in Vietnam and her attorney, David Cinnamon, who has been uh, trying to get justice for her. Um, welcome back to the show, all of you. Thank you. And um, why, don't we, why don't we start with what's your welcome home? I guess maybe, David, why don't you take it from here? And also, um, uh, all, all of you can join in, but, David, why don't you take us from a legal perspective as to what it was that greeted uh, Elizabeth after she started recovering. Uh, certainly, uh, when when uh, uh, Tom Elizabeth's father uh, uh, came to us uh, to talk to us about the case, um, when he told us the story, I couldn't believe it. Um, I, I thought there must be something missing here. Uh, you know, sometimes when you get new clients, they don't tell you the full story. Yeah. Uh, but when he showed me the documents, uh, I realized it was even worse uh, than, than he had been uh, telling me. But basically, in, in a nutshell, uh, what had happened to uh, Lieutenant Whiteside is uh, the Army basically said, uh, we're going to give you a choice. Uh, you can either submit your resignation, in which case you'll get a less than honorable discharge, which means that she would be deprived of the veterans benefits that she that she so well earned over her seven years of exemplary service uh, including the kind of medical benefits uh, that, that she will need to uh, to recover um, you know from from all these uh, these problems or if you don't want to resign uh, you can stay and we will pursue a court-martial against you for uh, uh, you know for shooting yourself and for waving your gun around during the psychotic episode and uh, in that court martial the uh, potential uh, would would be as high as a life sentence in prison uh understandably um, she felt uh, she had no choice and remember this this choice was given this this dreadful choice was given to her at a time when she is at Walter Reed Hospital trying to recover from her psychotic episode so you know under any circumstances this would be a terrible choice to give to somebody uh, but it was particularly cruel uh, to do to somebody in uh, Lieutenant Whiteside's position um, so she felt she had no choice and she actually had prepared and submitted a letter of resignation and it was that point that uh, her father uh, Tom Whiteside uh, you know, came to us and said you know, can, can you help here I, I really worry that my daughter is being forced into something that uh, she she really shouldn't have to do, um, and we immediately agreed because it was it was outrageous uh, what was what was happening here. I will say, by the way, that um, there we have to differentiate between different parts of the army. That the 
Army, uh, the medical personnel at Walter Reed were very good. And in fact, the, the general, the commanding general of Walter Reed, General Eric Schumacher, uh, was strongly um, in support of uh, Lieutenant Whiteside. It was, it was really the, uh, what you call the line officers uh, uh, who were taking the position that all this, uh, these so-called mental problems are just an excuse. Uh, I think the, uh, the prosecuting attorney actually referred to it as psychobabble and, uh, and said that she shouldn't be excused from her actions. So there was really, if you will, an internal war going on between the, the medical uh, soldiers who knew what they were doing and the line soldiers who had no clue. In any event, uh, when we could see what was happening, uh, we, we urged uh, Lieutenant Whiteside to withdraw her resignation letter because we felt that uh, no, no army, if, if they actually pushed it through to a court-martial, if, if they were cruel enough to do that, we felt that we could easily um, win the court-martial, although we certainly hoped it wouldn't get to that point. So uh, she did withdraw her resignation, and... The case then went to what is called an Article 32 hearing in which uh, an officer, an investigating officer, uh, looks into all the facts and then uh, after hearing witnesses and the evidence uh, makes a recommendation to the commanding officer as to whether a court-martial should be pursued. And I'm pleased to say that uh, just yesterday the investigating officer in the Article 32 hearing um, issued his recommendation and it was a very strong recommendation that uh, Lieutenant Whiteside should not be prosecuted. And I just want to read one, one uh, part of it because I think it's, uh, it says really what this is all about. He says, one of the Army values is integrity, which is defined as doing what is right legally and morally. Here the law is clear that First Lieutenant Whiteside was not mentally responsible for her actions. The moral thing to do is to dismiss these charges to allow Lieutenant Whiteside to end her military service and receive the benefits that she will desperately need for the remainder of her life. So there is at least one courageous and decent soldier who looked at the evidence uh, and decided this. The matter now will go to the commanding officer uh, of the district, uh, General Rowe, who will make the final decision. And we certainly hope that uh, uh, he will follow the recommendation. There's absolutely no reason why he wouldn't. But, frankly, we were also astonished that the matter has gone this far, that uh, we, won't, we won't breathe easily until the commanding, uh, the commanding general agrees that there will be no court-martial. I want to make one other point, and then I'll, and then I'll stop. Um, there was something called a sanity board that was appointed to look into the incident to determine whether Lieutenant Whiteside was, uh, you know, uh, mentally competent at the time that uh, that she did uh, did these actions, and uh, this consists of three uh, three military doctors, and it's very unusual for sanity boards to actually find that a person you know was not sane at the time of the events. One of the doctors on the board who um, uh, who testified at the Article 32 hearing said that he had. Uh, been on 20 sanity boards and nine civilian equivalents. So 29 times he had looked into incidents like this. On only two occasions did he determine that the accused was not sane at the time of the events, and one of them was Lieutenant Whiteside. So this is how clear the evidence was, even in the military. And yet, at the same time, uh, her 
you know, the, the, the officers in her command had been urging uh, that she be court-martialed for this. So it's a, it's a pretty outrageous, uh, pretty outrageous situation. Um, you know, one of her one of her commanding officers, and uh, I'll just I'll just read this because it will show you the other side. Uh, uh, basically, her commanding officer said, "This is just an excuse. Uh, she should be held responsible for her actions." Well, yes. Could that? I just wanted you to could because I'm sure people are are, are befuddled right now, thinking, "Well, what could she possibly have been charged with?" Um, you know, when she was trying to commit suicide, could could you just make that clear what the charges against her were? Yes, basically um, there were several charges. Uh, uh, one of them was because uh, actually Lieutenant Whiteside had actually uh, uh, checked herself in. You know, she felt that she was undergoing this uh, the psychotic breakdown. She had checked herself into a psychiatric ward, and while there, uh, that's when you know that's when she had the complete breakdown. And uh, she, you know, she pointed her gun in Baghdad. Just to be clear, yes, yes, in Baghdad, and 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 she 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 pointed her gun at the, uh, you know, at the nurse who was uh, who was trying to help her. She didn't she didn't shoot at her or anything like that. So, so she was charged with threatening a, a superior officer with a weapon, um, and uh, she she was also uh, uh, charged with. Uh, uh, Holding holding a superior officer against her will because the, uh, Lieutenant Whiteside shut the door to the room while 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 she had the uh, had the gun, and then also uh, uh, the fact that she attempted suicide. Uh, you know the army the army charged that as uh, as basically a, a charge of uh, of being disruptive to uh, uh, you know to morale. So uh, even that was. Uh, uh, you know considered to be something that was chargeable for. Uh, uh, for something in a court martial, so it's pretty incredible. And she was also charged with endangering some of her fellow officers. Yeah, well, this was uh, the 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 nurse who had come in to see her uh, uh, when when she took her weapon out. Uh, that, that's uh, uh-huh. she was she was charged with uh, with uh, uh, threatening her. I mean, one thing you might wonder why when somebody checks in checks themselves in in, in clear distress clear mental distress that the first thing that you would think that they would have done is removed her sidearm. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but of course, they didn't. And when she pulled it out and waved it around uh, and then ultimately shot herself, uh, what the Army turned that into was threatening, you know, threatening the nurse with, uh, with a gun and then, uh, and then committing further crimes by, uh, uh, by trying to, uh, uh, to kill herself. So that's, that's the kind of compassionate... Uh, uh, Response that the army had to this, and as I say, what I think they were really trying to do, uh, in a way, this is even crueler, is is use these threats to try to bully her into resigning and giving up her veterans' benefits so that yes. they could so that they could save the money of yes. uh, uh, of the treatment, which I think is is the ultimate in uh, in cruelty yes. in this whole uh, in this whole process. Well, we do need to take a break now, but we will continue with this um, when we come back. Today we're talking about the story of Lieutenant Elizabeth Whiteside with her as my guest, as well as her father, Thomas Whiteside, and her lawyer, David Cinnamon. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! 
If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Here's a show for baseball players, coaches, parents, and those who love the game. At least 90% of sports success, including baseball, requires mental strength in order to fully benefit from technical ability. And the higher the competition level, the more critical it becomes to possess mental muscle. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time to Championship Thinking, hosted by Jim Meyer, and brought to you by the National High School Baseball Coaches Association. Jim, sports psychology coach, trainer, and author of numerous articles and the workbook, Championship Thinking, Building Mental Muscle in Baseball, simplifies the mental game with easy to understand tools and tips with his weekly guest jim draws from successes with professionals college high school and youth teams coaches and players learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure tension and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance tune in and tune up your mental and technical knowledge and skills with championship thinking every tuesday at 4 p.m pacific time right here on america's voice voice america VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. With me today is Lieutenant Elizabeth Whiteside, her father, Thomas Whiteside, and her attorney, David Cinnamon. I think we have a caller, so why don't we welcome him to the show. Yes? Hello. Hello. Yes. Hi, caller. Yes. Uh, my name's Russ. I'm from Louisiana, hi. and I also am a veteran. And I would just like to uh, commend you and Lieutenant Whiteside for uh, airing this and bringing this all to light. I think a lot of things like this happen in uh, the Vietnam era that we never heard about, and uh, this kind of program will, I think, open a lot of people's eyes and hopefully will change the military to make it a better operation for all of us. Well, thank you. That's exactly what I'm trying to do. So thank you very much for calling in. And, yes, I would like to, um, were you, where were you in the, you're a veteran of which war? Uh, I was during the Vietnam area. I was in the, the Navy. Uh, and I also just um, should state I am also was a classmate of Tom Whiteside's. Ah. <laughs> who gave years of service, uh, you know, not only in, while in Marine, but uh, uh, you wouldn't find a better man around anywhere. Yes, well, thank you, and, and thank you for calling. And I do want to go to Tom now um, to uh, for you to now chime in from a father's perspective watching all of this. Here your daughter, 
you know, you were obviously an idol of hers. She saw your uh, devotion to um, the Marines and, uh, uh, you know, and then she did all of this wonderful service and then this is happening. What, is it, what does it feel like from your perspective? Uh, I, I think it's a disgrace and I think it's one of the most dishonorable things I've ever seen until I got involved with this Ward 54 with the psychiatric patients and the way they're treated and the double standard that the Army exacts about psychiatric patients. I, I, I didn't know it existed. I'm, I'm sure I'm like all the rest of the Americans in the United States who felt that these young men and women serve the country. They go over. Whatever happens, we bring them home. We make them well. We fix them. We do whatever it takes to be done. And that's not what happens. This is just a disgrace. You know, my daughter's just emblematic of what's going on with all these other young men and women. Uh, You know, they were after her. The CID people were after her when she was laying in a bed, tubed up with everything in the world coming in and out of her. It's been two weeks of being brought back to the country. It's just, uh, it's a disgrace. Uh, You know, they just, there's a double standard. A a friend of mine in uh, the Vietnam Veterans Association, Bernie, indicates, you know, he says, you know, why should a purple brain receive any less credit than a purple heart and that's exactly the standard mm-hmm. we've exacted here and uh, we can't say enough about the docs at Walter Reed I mean these guys have done yeoman work they fought for my daughter coming and going they literally cannot protect her from the line officers whose attitude is mental illness doesn't exist and it's just an excuse to do bad things she had seven years of exemplary service she had 20 minutes of bad time when she was in the throes of a disease that she didn't know she had didn't know how to deal with and the Army's response is to give her a less than honorable discharge, and if she doesn't take that and slink off into the light and carry that burden the rest of her life, then they're going to give her a court-martial and give her 20 years in jail. And I've had Army prosecutors tell me this is a good deal. And I want to say back, would you have your daughter sign this up? Certainly not, but it's okay for my daughter. So as you can tell, I'm very angry over it, and I'm very upset. And I think it's just despicable and it's disgraceful. I'd like to think that my Marine Corps doesn't do this with their Marines. But I, I, I tell you what, it, 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 it's an issue that can be addressed and can be fixed, and the Army refuses to do it. They, they put out a press release with my daughter on December the 5th about how they were so concerned about her uh, that uh, there was an idea that there was a, a division in the Army between the battle-hardened veterans and the medical professionals. Well, I'm here to tell you, every, every, every time there's been a, a, a choice between what the medical professionals, including a two-star general, Eric Schumacher, who's over at Walter Reed, who obviously was good enough at his job, they just promoted him to be the Surgeon General of the Army, whatever he wanted, whatever his Dr. Brandt and all his psychiatrists over there recommended, they were overridden by a Ranger colonel who had, and, a, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a company commander pilot, who neither one of whom can probably spell the word medicine, and their, ju- and, and their views were selected above these medical professionals every single time. And, and, it's a, it's a and when we were talking um, off the air, you were talking about how so much of this is related to money. Do you want to go into that? Well, I think it's just a money issue, basically. I think, you know, they, they've, uh, I don't know, there was a lady in Harvard, I think, who did a, 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 a assessment that, you know, it's between 2 and $2.5 million per, per, per individual, young, well, these young soldiers that are wounded, to take care of them for the rest of their life, and that's in our money. So it's just a money issue. So they're just, I think they're just running people out to, 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 to abuse them, to force them to give up their benefits so they can save money. And in our particular case, since the Army regulations read that, you know, the, the parents aren't allowed, they're not, they're not given attendant orders to be able to assist their soldier if they have a, 
a, a mental illness that comes out of Iraq, unlike the soldiers who are amputees or have other serious wounds. There's nobody there to fight for their children, so they, they, they become so used to abusing these young men and women and forcing them out of the military with no place to go and nobody ever fights it. And I think they were, you know, the, the prosecutor kept saying, well, I'm just so surprised she won't take this less than honorable discharge. You know, and David and these guys are pulling their hair out and I don't understand how you're surprised that we've even gone this far. Uh, it's just, it's a disgrace. I think it's just money, and, 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 it, and, it, and it's something that could be fixed. There's 12 four-star generals in the Army. They control everything that goes on in the Army, from the, the boot that goes on the bottom of the, the shoe to the, to the tactic that's, that's, that's initiated on a, on a raid in downtown Baghdad every night. They could change this culture overnight. They've got an AKO account. They could go out to every commander and say, if you stand in the way of medical treatment of one of your soldiers, then I'm going to fire you. If you if you don't assist your troopers in getting their medical treatment, then I'm going to fire you. And to the troopers, say, if you've got a problem medically, there's no stig- there's a stigma in the army. If you've got a stig- that you if you've got a problem, you're in our family. We're army strong. We're going to take care of you. We led you in combat, and by God, we can take care. We can lead you in garrison, and we can take care of you. That's what Army Strong is. Uh, I would seem to me. Yes, and and also um, with uh, Elizabeth's friend Samantha, um, do you want to tell us what uh, happened to her? I mean, uh, my when she was discharged. Oh, she was discharged off. She she came off the psychiatric inpatient ward against her doctor's recommendations against what her doctor wanted to do. She was chaptered out, like 48 hours or so. She got an administrative discharge. She ended up in downtown Bethesda, paying for a hotel room out of her own pocket. The young woman was terrified. She, you know, her, her, My understanding was her meds weren't stabilized, her treatment plan wasn't developed, and they just had her out. Yes, and you, she didn't know enough to fight it. To save money, to just discharge her before from the hospital before she was ready. No, I think so. That's my opinion. Yes, yeah, I agree well, with that. Yeah, and, you know, and uh, yeah, David's seen them. You know, David's got more, much more. You know, not only have they helped me, they've helped a whole bunch of people, and he's had much more experience with this. And I, you know, can tell you, uh, uh, you know, you've got the irate, angry father over here, and he's the, you know, the professional, hard-eyed guy that knows what's going on. And if he says that's the way it is. That's the way it is. Yeah, but I'm just as irate and angry. I mean, uh, <laughs> uh, I've, I've, as I said, when uh, when Tom came in. We just couldn't believe it. Uh, I, I thought this sounds like something out of uh, a bad nightmare, and, uh, and and it couldn't be real, and uh, and, and yet it, it it was and is, and and even if it has a happy ending, and I put a quotes around that, meaning uh, you know that I expect that there will be no court martial. Uh, you know, as, as Tom just said, she never should have had to go through this uh, ever, right. and 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 it's and something that's emblematic of what others are going through who who aren't as fortunate. Uh, you know, to have a father like Tom who uh, who wasn't going to stand by and, and see his daughter abused like this. Well, yes. Well, I'd like to thank you all for coming on the show. First of all, I, I do hope that this story has a happy ending. You all certainly deserve it. I'd like to thank Attorney David Cinnamon for uh, his coming on the show, but also for your work on Elizabeth's behalf. Um, I'd like to also thank Elizabeth's father, who uh, Thomas Whiteside, who was... Um, an incredible role model for her and has now been helping fight for her. And Lieutenant Elizabeth Whiteside, my hats go off to you because uh, I really admire all the courage that you have shown and all the dedication to our country. And uh, 
Boy, uh, more people need to appreciate what people like you are doing, and you certainly exemplify the best of the best. So I really wish you well, and I do hope, again, that this story has a very happy ending. And to all my listeners, I hope this has uh, awakened you to some of the things that are going on and how we do need to stop it. Um, We certainly need to show our appreciation to troops like Elizabeth and uh, certainly to give them help when, after all these years of dedicated service, um, they had a crisis themselves. So thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat.